This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So, face with a question. Where did they go next with this podcast? The guys were recently joined by legendary musical genius Bruce Dickerson, who's agreed to be the new producer of the Stack and Benjamin show. They were all excited to meet him. Hey, fellas, I'm Bruce Dickerson. Yes, the Bruce Dickerson. You have a dynamite sound, fantastic sound. I have only one suggestion more cowbell. from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and do you live in a building? Like seriously, anything other than a lean-to? If so, you're going to love today's topic as we welcome the co-host of our new sister show, Stacking Deeds, Alan Corey. Joining him to process her 2008 real estate trauma via exposure therapy, it's Paulette Perhatch. And the woman taking care of business at Bigger Pockets Money, Mindy Jensen. And speaking of doing your business, this day in history was the first day that American paper money was handed out. We'll learn more about that in my trivia question. And now, a guy who wants to help you stack Benjamins like bricks. It's Joe Saul Hi. Hey there, stackers, and happy Friday. I'm Joe Saul Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we are all things real estate today. Going to hang out and ease into the weekend. Maybe this will help you with the projects. Maybe, Doug, uh, this will help everybody with their, like, uh, I need to do this to my house. I need to do this. I need to do this. Maybe a trip to Home Depot. Or seven. Or, right. I felt like that when I moved into my last house. Like, the Home Depot people, it was like, remember the old show Cheers? Like, I'd walk in and they go, Norm! Yeah. Good Joe! Yeah. I, I wish I had a frequent flyer card. You got to measure the success of your home projects on if you can accomplish it in one trip to Home Depot. You're getting to be a good handyman if you can plan it out, get what you need, get back, and take care of that. That's 
you got to pat. I don't yourself know though, back. Doug. I disagree for one reason because in Michigan, the Home Depots in, and w- this isn't the case in Texarkana, but in Michigan, the Home Depots always have that awesome hot dog seller right at the exit. Ah. So I got to make like COVID killed sixteen. It. Is that why they were gone? Gone. Yep. One, Ever one since star. COVID, we got to bring that back. Yes, the COVID hot dogs we got to bring back. That that petri dish of a <laughs> of a boiling pot of dogs in there, just the old froth on the water. No, mm. really, go use that spoon for the relish. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> ah. So anyway, let's get to it. We'll start off with our frequent flyer here. Speaking of frequent flyers, the woman who's here every week with us, Paulette Perhatch. How are you? I'm doing great. Lots of stories going on and just having fun. You just recently went through this, didn't you? New house? I almost bought a house in Florida in January, last January. And then just because the market was so crazy, I'm just renting a place now. Well, and the cool thing was now you delegate it. We were on a conference call once and we got to see the landlord come through the person that you delegated it to. Like, how do I get that? Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, like our fan just went out and it is just so nice. And I think there's a lot of conversations around renting versus buying. And, you know, just to be like, oh, fans out. That's on your to-do list. I'll be here working. Thank you. Bye. I don't know, Paulette. I get the emails here. You have lots of fans. (laughs) Just saying. And the guy who's about to have lots of fans, because he is the host of our sister show that we just introduced on Wednesday. He's the co-host, actually. Probably second best co-host behind Crystal. (laughs) Alan Alan Corey's here. You're the Mount Rushmore. That's the three of us. I think we're all Alan sub to Crystal. I think Crystal's going to run things there. Yes. Yes. How are you, man? Good. I'm always up for a conversation. Real estate, you know that. So, uh... Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, learn from other people and just sort of put brains together and see how we can all make money and good investments and good choices in our homes. Yeah, but let's talk about this. You are not brand new to the real estate game, my friend. How many doors do you own? Um, it changes week to week, but uh, collectively with through some partners and syndications, about 350 doors, give or take, Whoa. depending on the week you ask me. You know, uh, Selling portfolios, buying portfolios, some of them are single homes, but now mostly multifamilies, anything from a duplex to a 160-unit apartment building. And one of your early real estate sales, you sold a house to a woman that you and I and, and stackers everywhere might know. Yeah, Barbara Corcoran bought my first flip in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn, and I was 25, and I was like, I'm the best house flipper ever. That would just give me the confidence of like, wait a minute, maybe I'm doing things right. And, uh, you know, I now, 20 years later, that was 20 years ago, I, I did everything wrong, and I was a complete idiot. It just, <laughs> it just worked out. Well, that's what I was thinking. If a Shark Tank shark is buying, it might have been too good a deal. You don't even- <laughs> good point. Good she- point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting, the more I get to know Alan, everybody, is that uh, Alan, when he says he's ready for real estate discussion, like seriously, we could talk about it 24-7 and he wouldn't have enough. Like you could just keep going and going and going. Uh, why would you want to talk about anything else? I don't understand, <laughs> but yes, yes. I, uh, that's why I turned to podcasting so I can talk to more people about it and I could just be in a room by myself talking real estate because everyone else is sick of what I have to say, I guess. Yeah. Alan's, yeah. Alan's whole outer family was like, thank God we got that guy a microphone so we can <laughs> be better at dinner. <laughs> we can talk about something else. But now I talk about podcasting, which is completely new, the, you know, different conversation, you know, but it's podcasting about real estate, but at least there's, there's some other subject matter in there. Yes. 
And we're super happy to have back on one of my BFFs, the woman behind the amazing show, Bigger Pockets Money. Minnie Jensen is here. Joe, you're such a sweetheart for saying such nice things about me on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Only I save it all for on the air. No, we have fun together. In fact, it's funny because I feel like Mindy and I are BFFs and we've met in person maybe, what, four times? It's more than four. Has it been more than four? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We go to the same conferences all the time. But yes, I think the world of Joe, I think he's fantastic in every way. And obviously everybody else does too. Stop, keep going. Stop, keep going. (laughs) Because they're listening to your show. So I'm I'm so excited that you have me back. I am a real estate agent in Colorado. I host The Money Show. Alan was just saying, I get to talk about real estate all day long. I also get to talk about money, which those are like my two favorite things, real estate and money. So- This is going to be a super awesome show, Joe. Well, today we got you for the real estate. And by the way, it wasn't lost on me that while you were paying me compliments, I got the world's biggest eye roll from Doug. I was about to say that. I saw that. (laughs) Oh yeah, I I wasn't even trying to hide it. I felt it coming on and I'm like, can I make it bigger? Hey, you know something else we're not trying to hide, Doug? We might as well get it out in the open right now. Should we say it? Should we say it? Don't know. That was a secret between us. No, 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 no. Here it is right here. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience my good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join, open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they have a 24 seven help for their us based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to navyfederal.org. Dot org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. We need to share that, didn't we? That was very important stuff. We got Mindy here. We got Paula here. We got Alan here. We got Doug. Let's talk real estate, everybody. Let's go.
Uh, this piece is from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I thought this is a great, great piece. Whether you are a real estate investor like Alan or Mindy or a real estate survivor like Paulette, uh, no matter who you are, this idea of fixing up your house to sell it, what you should and shouldn't fix before selling a house, I think it's a pretty important piece for all of us because I'm sure, Mindy, we'll start with you as the realtor in the bunch. You've seen people make some probably ridiculous fixes to a house that maybe they shouldn't have made. Yeah, yeah. I I have seen some doozies of houses where you walk in and you're like, really? That looks new. And that's so awful. I know whoever buys this house Ugh. is going to rip whatever that is right out. So my first bit of advice to anybody who's saying, Mindy, I want to sell my house. What would you suggest? Clean. Clean and declutter. Get all the crap out of your house because people want to be able to envision themselves in your home. So a clean house, a decluttered house, a house where it's super impersonal, like you could go to a, a model home and you see that there's nothing personal. There's no pictures of people. There's no knickknacks and like random stuff. Well, there's a lot of knickknacks, but it's like, it's so impersonal. That's what you want your house to look like when you're trying to sell it. I want to get back though, just to the idea of clean before we go anywhere. When we moved to Texarkana, I was amazed all the houses we looked at. Paula, how many houses did you look at when you were looking through different real estate? Um, not enough. <laughs> but but was cleanliness a problem? Because cleanliness was, I was like, really? This is what you're going with? God, yeah. The ones that are the dirtiest are the eye buyers. So it's, it's the... I don't know if I want to name drop them all, but the, the companies that will buy your house sight unseen and then they relist it, man, those are always the dustiest, the dirtiest, trafficked mud throughout the carpets. Uh, so yeah, a sense of pride. Typically a real estate agent will step up. I'm a real estate agent, just like Mindy. We'll we'll speak to our clients or, and we'll even give feedback to the other listing agents saying, hey, this house needs a little bit cleaning, you know, need to be done. But you can't do this when it's a robot on the other end that's managing the transaction. There's really nowhere to give feedback and they don't even want to hear it, honestly, in many cases. Exactly. I mean, I have been in houses, I'm like, I have been trained since a young child to take my shoes off as soon as I enter a home. There are some houses where I go right back to the front door and put my shoes back on. I'm like, what <laughs> is this that I'm stepping in? Because you got to protect your feet <laughs> from the house. I want to bring roaches home to my house from your gross house. I can forgive people. There, there was one house I went into where a woman just forgot we were coming. The realtor showing us around the house and literally we open up the bedroom door and there she is in bed while we're going through her house, like talk about awkward, <sighs> oh. but I can, I can forgive that. Like just mistakes were made, right. To quote Paulette, like when people, when people are trying to get away from the mistakes, mistakes were made versus I screwed up. Uh, I don't know who screwed up, but somebody did, but not cleaning. I just, I just don't get. And by the way, before we get too far into this, maybe some of our stacker communities, like I'm not selling my house anytime soon, but Alan, I also think about selling your house fixing your house up only when you're going to sell it. Like I always think, why wouldn't I fix it up to live there? Well, I always say, yes, you should enjoy your home, but you have to separate whether your home is going to be a lifestyle decisions or investment decisions. What I mean by that is, yeah, fix up your home because you're going to enjoy it. Do your cutesy personal taste on the, in the bathrooms or in the walls, in the tile. And if you want the sauna and you know, whatever it is, sure. Don't, 
make those decisions because you think you're going to make money on that or get a return on investment on that. And so there's two different hats to wear. If you if you plan on living in the house, I say for the next four or five years, make them all lifestyle decisions. But if you're going to immediately put this on the market, put it on the market in, you know, within the year, then it should be a investment decision. It's nothing about your personal taste. It make it look like those model homes. That's why every new construction property looks exactly the same. The white tile, the gray grout, uh, you know, the stainless steel, they all look the same because you can come in and put your touch on it with furniture and paint, but you don't need to maybe spend money that's going to change things around and give it that sort of unique feeling that you want in your home, but not when you sell your home. These are going to be then Paula, two different sets of decisions. Like you're going to make completely different decisions. I would imagine then based on what Alan's saying, if you're selling the house versus if I'm going to live in it, like I will do those different colored fun walls, but not if somebody's going to buy it. And I think also thinking toward what's your time frame? Am I going to get the amount of enjoyment? Like I did these like wild green cracked countertops that they sound terrible, but they were fabulous. And that was like my one funky thing. Cause I was like, someone can come in and change that. Right. And so really deciding how much would it cost to change my decisions? Yeah. Let's walk through some of these. This is a quote from the piece because we always hear about kitchen and bathroom, right? Kitchen and bathroom. These are the two big areas to fix up. But from this piece, it says when Alyssa and Craig Greenberg sold their Bella Vista condo, In October, they thought about renovating their kitchen and powder room. Their realtor, Rachel Rothbard Heller of uh, Caldwell Banker, talked them out of it. She said a fresh coat of paint will make everything bigger and brighter, but if you redo your kitchen, you run the risk the buyer may not love it, Alyssa recalled. The housing market started to slow down, so we wanted to list it sooner than later. A renovation might have set us back months. Do you agree with that, Mindy? Oh, my God, do I agree with that. I love Rachel. I love that she said that because so many agents are saying, oh, just redo your kitchen, redo your bathroom. Have you ever redone a kitchen, Joe? She said leadingly because she knows you have. It takes a long time. It takes a really long time. I just did my kitchen. It cost me $10,000 because I did everything myself. It took several weeks to do because I, I'm sorry, we did everything ourselves. (laughs) I'm making it sound like I did all the work. My husband did much of the work. He's much better at this and stronger and all of that. Um, it was all Ikea stuff. So I put together all the cabinets, all 5,000 of those dumb cabinets. It looks great, but it was like $10,000 because we did all the work. It would have been like $35,000 to start if we did all that work. She's saying they might not like it and they might rip it all out. Do you know what a crushing, soul-crushing experience it is to see all of your stuff being ripped out that you just went through Mm. after having lived through some awful experience because the contractors are going to be late, I promise you. It's going to come in over budget and over time. And it's just, it's, it's not a fun experience. So I love what she said. Plus, they said something really important. The market was changing. Last year, we had a really, really hot spring selling season, followed by some, maybe you heard about this, Joe, the interest rates went up just a touch, no uh, idea. 50 times or whatever. So that kind of slammed the market to a stop. If they would have waited to get their house on the market, they could very well have lost out on a sale completely. They could be still sitting there. Absolutely. But I want to go back to this idea of Ikea. You bought everything at Ikea. Yes. I saw a meme this last week about this woman who said she heard the CEO of Ikea was sick. So she made him a cake. And there's this picture of just eggs and flour and water. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just send him all that and he gets to put it together himself. Like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine putting all that stuff together. I had the time. Did you calculate how much you saved by doing it that way, Mindy? I'm just curious. Well, it was it was less than $10,000 for everything. And like I said, it would That's have been like $35,000 to hire it out. This is my eighth or ninth kitchen that I've done. We do wow. live-in flips. So I've done a lot of kitchen. I've since done another kitchen at a different house. I did an Ikea kitchen there too. I think Ikea kitchens are great if you have the time to do it. But yeah. who has time to do it? Who has the skill set to do it? It's actually not that hard if you have a few tools and you know you know what you're doing. But if you don't, a lot of people are really intimidated and they'll just go out and spend the money. Further in that article, Joe, somebody says, oh, well, you'll get uh, 70 to 100% of your money back. Well, if I get 70% of my money back, I don't really consider that a win. I consider mm-hmm. that losing 30% of my money. <laughs> if I take this $35,000 quote and put that into a kitchen and then I sell it and I recoup 70%. That means I got $24,000 more for selling my house after putting 35000 into it. I already did the math, Joe. I lost $10,500 to make an extra nice kitchen for somebody else who may or may not like it. That's why Mindy's here, everybody. The math whiz. Well, I would, I would challenge Mindy and I'd say, well, maybe you saved $10,000 because you got a bidding war or maybe it sold faster. Some other things, maybe there is that buyer who loved the kitchen that you chose. So my answer is it depends. There's no catch-all answer whether you should do your kitchen or not. A lot of it depends on the price point. I've sold a house that I've flipped for $2 million at an Ikea kitchen. But when, when you get up to like $3 million, I know that buyer is going to rip out whatever kitchen I put in because they want to mm. be, you know, eccentric millionaires and, and do whatever they can to their, their taste. However, on the low end, you know, I've flipped $30,000 homes and $100,000 homes where a new kitchen is something that that price point, the buyer may not have ever had in their life, or it might be an investor who's going to rent and can charge more for rent. Those I see more bang for the buck because it's like, yes, this this house is an eyesore, but it's livable. But wow, we're going to spend so much time in the kitchen. They can envision their families cooking around it. So it really depends on the price point. And also the seller. Is the seller a nervous Nelly who um, oh. is just nervous talking to me? They're going to be nervous talking to a contractor. Do they even have any funds to renovate? So all of this kind of goes into my recommendation. Hold, hold on, Alan. I, I think I know what you're talking about. So you might not recoup all the money. Because I was like, well, what Mindy's talking about is make sure you you recoup all the money. But what you might say is you might might not recoup all that money, but you might sell the house faster. You might actually have a quicker sale process, which in essence might make back the money, even though you're going to take a little bit of a hit. Yeah. Oh, all day. Right. And it might pass an inspection and, you know, better depending if you've got asbestos tile in there or whatever it is. So it really depends on a lot more than just always do it before you list. It's, it's the time frame. But I, I'm back with Mindy on that. The timing is very important. You want to hit that spring market. If the your kitchen is going to cost you $10,000, bring you into winter, you're never going to recoup that money. But maybe if you time it where you do the renovation in the winter for that upcoming spring market or summer market, then uh, that timing may work to your advantage. That's why I thought this was an important time for this piece, by the way, for you know 99% of our audience, which is in the Northern Hemisphere. Like get this stuff done now. Yes. I think Alan has a lot of fair points and he's right. It, it, and everything depends. If you want an answer, Joe, the quick answer is it depends. Thank you, Alan. I'll credit Alan for that. And we're Doug. Doug, what should we do today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It depends. I think it depends on the entire 
condition of the whole house. If you have a shrine to 1972 in the rest of the house and one brand new kitchen, it's going to look super weird. And you should have left the kitchen and then, you know, just painted everything or just leave it as a shrine to 1972. Somebody out there wants that too. Uh, There is a buyer for every house. It just depends on what the right price is. Paula, what did you think about these, uh, some of these low cost things, Uh, mirror lights, rugs, interior painting, landscaping, carpet cleaning? Huge. I mean, I think that putting just a lot of those little parts together can make such a big difference. And it's something you can do on your own. Whereas doing a new Ikea kitchen might be super intimidating. It's like, yeah, I can put up, I can make sure there's enough light. I can make sure there's mirrors. Like these are things that I think anyone would feel comfortable attempting. So I think they're a great idea. Last on here, staging, just staging in general, before we go to our break, Alan, what do you think about hiring a professional stager? Some people look at the cost of that and go, yeah, I don't know. Well, typically you would only do it if the house is vacant. So they've already moved out. And at that point, yes, I would say staging is absolutely necessary because now I feel very insecure about saying it depends as my answer. <laughs> but uh, yes, because uh, so otherwise you don't really want to stage with their own furniture if they're still living there and they've got pets mm-hmm. in the homes and kids in the homes and it's going to be a mishmash. Unless you can convince someone to like clean out, let's just clean out two rooms and don't use them and let's stage it. But to me, staging is most important to get the photos because that's the first impression. You want to get that attention to get people to come into your house. And uh, my pet peeve is if there's if there's more than like 16 photos uh, on most homes, too many homes, I want to find a reason not to come to your house, right? So I want like 12 to 16 good photos where it looks good, I can visualize it, and I want more. Like, why did they not show me the other bedroom? I, I guess I got to go see the house, you know? So that I, I try to hook them in with some solid uh, staging, and that might be just taking the furniture they have, rearranging it for a photo, and then putting it back together. But... Um, Yeah, it's the vacant homes that really, really need it, though. I'm not a huge real estate investor, certainly not as much, uh, Mindy or Alan, as much as you guys are. But I will say this, there's two things that I've gotten right, I believe, I strongly believe. Number one was, Alan, to your point, those photos of my last house, having great photos of your house made me get a nice, huge multiple and a house I'd only lived in for two years and had done some modest improvements on. But when you just look at the photos that we took of the house versus the photos that the people that we bought the house from, it looked like a whole different, better house. And frankly, in areas where we hadn't changed a thing, that was number one. Number two was I actually worked uh, early on when Detroit was going through a, a problem in in uh, the early 2000s and I was trying to sell a house and the market was going south fast in Detroit I realized I was going to need to stage my house. But at that time, I really, to your point, Alan, I not only didn't want to hire a stager, I didn't really have the money to do it. I was building my foundation back at that time, back around 2003, 2004. I actually still hired the stagers, but I hired them to walk through it with me. And if you can't hire a stager, if you can't do the full thing, hire them for an hour. I think they charged me like a hundred bucks. And they walked through my house and said a lot, Mindy, about what you're saying, which is make your house look like Pottery Barn. That's all I remember was like, make your house look like Crate and Barrel or Pottery Barn. That's that's what we need to do. And they're taking down all the personal photos, all the personal stuff. And I put up a light fixture, put up some generic, pretty cheap art that looked really nice from Home Goods, And uh, my house looked like Pottery Barn. Still didn't I mean, sell, I, by the way. I think, I think that's what everyone thinks of when, they, when you hear the word Detroit. 
It, what, Pottery that, Barn? Yeah, Pottery Barn Aesthetics. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what they think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coming up next, we're going to dive into our contributors' favorite pieces of getting your house ready to sell. But before that, we have a trivia contest every Friday that lasts all year long between our three frequent contributors, Paulette, OG, and Len. Now, Len was uh, scheduled for the week off, and Alan, you're here on behalf of Len, so you're going to play as Len Penzo. Mindy OG, is, we, we had, to, had to step out at the last minute, Mindy was nice enough to join us, so thank you very much, but you're going to be OG. And what that means is our current score, because we're very early in this year-long contest, Len has one, OG has one. And Paulette, what's going on? You were roaring last year. You've yet to get on the board. I know. All right. I'm really, I'm ready. I'm ready this time. This is, this is it. So Mindy, because you're playing as OG, people have no idea that I've done this four (laughs) times and we cut it out, but Mindy, you're playing as as OG and that that means you're going to guess first as last year's champion. Alan, you're playing on behalf of Len, if I'm correct, finally. And that means you guess second. And Paulette playing as the amazing Paulette Perhatch gets the catbird seat, gets to guess last. But we need a question. So, Doug, what's our question today? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And today we're celebrating the anniversary of the first time paper money was distributed in America. But the history of money goes way back, far past the creation of the United States, but not older than the origin of some of Len's jokes. I know Len's not here, but seriously, Len's jokes are so old. Come on, Len's jokes are so old. How old are they? Yeah, there (laughs) we go, yeah. Just say it whenever you feel like it, Mindy. Len's jokes are so old that they watch the History Channel to see if they're on. Nope, hold on, wait a minute, hold on. I thought I had it, I did There we go. (laughs) <laughs> Len's jokes are so old. How, How old, are, old they? are they? How old are they? Now we're rolling. Len's jokes are so old, they remember 50 Cent when he was just a penny. But do Len's jokes remember where the tradition of calling a dollar a buck came from? Some say that it comes from the time that money was made of leather, a practice that began in the 6th century BCE. But... That continued until Peter the Great's reign in Russia. So there's the question. I mean, it's obvious, right? What year did Peter the Great die? I won't pass the buck on this one. I'll be back with the answer and a good venison recipe in just a minute. (laughs) Peter the Great, ruler uh, czar of Russia. When did he pass away? And Mindy, we're going to start with you. <laughs> oh, Mindy, I feel for you. I, I'm supposed to guess when Peter the Great died? Of course well, you are. first of all, I would like to apologize to OG. I hope that this only docks you by a half a point when I say uh, 62 BCE. I don't know. I don't have any idea. 62 BCE. <laughs> He said something about BCE. I wasn't really listening because I was remembering the buck and I thought I had the answer for that. So uh, thanks, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I'm going to go with 1862. Wait, wait, wait. a second just ago, it was just it. 62. She's got the spread. She's covered the spread. <laughs> <laughs> it was between those two. No, 1862. 1862. Alan, what are you thinking? 
Well, I'm trying to remember if this was on the real estate exam. Um, but uh, <laughs> what real estate exam Lynn. did you take? <laughs> <laughs> I, I took mine in Russian, uh, and uh, yeah, history is not my strong suit. But man, Patelista, I'm going to say 1688. 1688. Well, that gives you uh, quite a spread there, Paulette. What are you thinking? Yeah, I don't think Peter was that great because I don't. I never heard of him. Um, <laughs> Peter I did go to public school in Florida, though, so I missed a few details. <laughs> I am going to go with 1599. 1599. All right. Well, I'd love to tell you who was right, but we don't play that way. We will be right back. You know what a great idea for stackers is, OG, for the weekend? Uh, binge your Amex card at Macy's. <laughs> Wouldn't it be horrible? Hey, I got a great idea. Macy's. Is Macy's not like the... Macy's isn't the cool place anymore. I found that out. No? It's like... Uh, Was Macy's no, the not. cool place? Was it? I don't know. Macy's. I still think you're the Yonkers? cool place. No. Yonkers? You don't remember Yonkers? No. I remember Hudson's, where a lot of Macy's oh, yeah, are Hudson's. now. It used to be Hudson's. If you lived in the Great White North, like so one we of my did. first credit cards was a Hudson card. Yeah, the get wor- those guest jeans. The worst thing you could do would be to binge your credit card. But you and I both know some people did that over the holidays. OG, they did that, and now they're going. Oh they, boy, we <laughs> you binged. I get the I get the corporate card statements. Oh yeah, right. I did have to buy. This is supposed to be a Navy Federal read, and uh, we're doing something totally different. But I, at the airport, realized I didn't have my headphones. So I did buy some headphones using the credit card, 25 bucks. And then I went to Best Buy to buy some other headphones. Long story. Same set of headphones at Best Buy, $9. Don't buy buy headphones at the airport. I'm sure there's lots of people that already know that. What was I going to do though? I was trying to edit the show what, on a plane. What gave that away? The $9 beers or the $25 headsets? No idea. But if you're but some, let's assume that you did pile up a whole bunch of yes. personal expenses on the corporate card over Christmas and you're you need help paying that off. Ninja what with could the you do, segue, OG? You know what you could do? I'm glad you asked. You could partner up with Navy Federal Credit Union to pay down credit card debt. Get a low intro APR on balance transfers with their platinum credit card. It's their lowest rate card and a great tool to pay less interest while you're paying down your debt. Navy Federal can also help with that next home improvement project. When you're getting started, they offer a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds, so you're not racking up a bunch of interest on debt that you took out where you haven't spent the money. Instead, money's just there when you need it, and it's at a variable rate. You could also get a fixed rate equity loan with set monthly payments for large purchases or consolidating debt with a home equity loan could also streamline and lower your monthly payments. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, equal housing lending, membership required, loan subject to approval. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details about credit cost and terms. HELOC APR is low as 6.5% as of November 23rd, 2022. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. 
Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Mindy, you opened it up with, Doug, what was Mindy's final 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 guess? Somewhere between the last dinosaur dying <laughs> and when we put a man on the moon. That was yes. Mindy's answer. Mindy, you should have just said it depends. It de- depends. Oh, oh, man. I suck as a real estate agent. It depends. What do you mean by died? Yeah, exactly. Mindy said her final answer was 1862. So Alan counters with the 1700s. Any reason you thought it was earlier, Alan? Um, I just... Felt like it, it was not after they, what Mindy said. I, it, it wasn't that recent. That, He's that playing was, homage to Len, and yes. Len's jokes are so old. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but then Paulette went even earlier. I don't know who these people are. She's also paying homage to Len. Yeah, I was tempted to just do like sixteen ninety one or like yeah. one year before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, the absolutely. price is right. Try not yes. to be such a turd. That was very nice of you, Paulette. Very, very nice. Uh, to our guests here today. If it were OG or Len themselves, that wouldn't have happened at all. That is a good... Who does win, Mindy? Doug, who wins? Give us the answer to this quiz. Hey there, stackers. I'm Bambi's number one fan and lover of several good barbecue sauces, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. To celebrate the history of paper money in the USA, we're diving way back to the time when money was made of leather. Leather money was used in Roman times and even was used by Chinese Emperor Woody. Woody? Woody? Didn't he play for Notre Dame? Anyway, around 100 BCE, with the currency coming from stags in his personal deer herd. This is possibly, according to Britannica, where the term passing the buck came from. While leather has never been used as money in the USA, I've been told these tight leather pants I'm wearing right now are totally money. But that's, it's probably a different show. Leather was used as money all the way until Peter the Great died in Russia. So what year did he die? Peter the Great came to power in 1682 and lived until 1725 CE, which means that Alan is our winner. He was just 37 years off. That's for Len. That's for Len. You owe me 37 bucks. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> the buck stopped with Alan today. Bam. <clears throat> How about that? Nice job, Mr. Corey. I, I played Mindy. I, I, that was just like, I, I'm glad I didn't have to go first because I didn't know if this was a BC or a AD uh, sort of answer <laughs> at all. So if she would have said like 100 BC or whatever her first guess is, you would have gone 200 BC. Uh, I would have said zero. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when Jesus was born, so was Peter the Great. That was that was my thought process. Jesus, Jesus Peter the Great, and Leather Jesus Money. Jesus the Great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All one happy thing. And Paulette, congratulations. Thank you. 
Perfect score. <laughs> Time for our second half of the show. Second half of this uh, shindig is brought to you by Magnify Money. Paulette Perhatch, you know what happens when you go to stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money? You have to close the laptop real fast when your spouse walks in. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you looking at CD rates with your pants down? <laughs> Awkward. Yes. Turns out that uh, 92% of the banking options outside of brick and mortar banks all available at magnify money if you're banking in a brick and mortar bank probably not getting the best deal out there head to stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money whether it's not just cd rates but checking accounts savings accounts interest rates been going up and if you haven't looked at comparisons anytime recently probably time to move stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money so for people with uh short-term memory loss we were talking about fixing up your house to sell it and what to do and what not to do. I want to begin with this quote, guys, uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer piece. The things that are going to bring you more money are an updated kitchen, a finished basement, which adds space to the property, and adding another bathroom or updating the primary bathroom, says Carol McCann, a REMAX associate broker based in Huntington Valley and Northeast Philadelphia. Alan, you agree with that? Those are your bang for your buck? I agree if you're adding square footage, work from home trends, you know, flex office, whatever you can do, that outdoor kitchen. A lot of people, they're anchoring into their space right now. So if you can just squeeze out an extra space to a podcast studio, whatever it is, that is where you got to put your money. Paulette, we were talking earlier about these high, you know, cost things like these look fairly high cost might be the death of you, right? It might not be great. So where's your crossover point on which ones of these you do, which ones you don't? Well, I don't know, but I just, I think we really need to finish the basement now. You know, is this our argument that we could get some flooring in here? Yes. No, the shag carpeting, (sighs) the remnant shag carpeting is style. It's been this way for 12 years, Paulette. (laughs) 12. Keep your feet warm. I think more. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe, Yeah. All right, let's talk colors. Mindy, what do you think about colors in the house? Burnt orange and avocado green. Mm-hmm. When you're getting it ready to sell? <laughs> yes, yes. Throw back to the 70s. No, neutral. Neutral is the way to go. Think tans, think grays, think black and white. Although be real cautious with the black and white because that can seem really, really harsh. But right now, gray is the super hot color. I don't know if that's going to continue going into the next few years, but right now it's super, super hot. You just want things to be super neutral. So if your buyer just bought a bright orange couch, they know that they can move right in and not have to paint the whole house because everything's gray and gray and orange go as opposed to bright yellow or bright green. Don't they call it agreeable gray? Agreeable gray is an actual color from Sherwin-Williams. Ah, that everyone loves. I've never, if I've never bought paint before, Jensen... And I'm looking at flat, semi-gloss, all these different types of paint. Where am I going down that paint aisle? You are going to go to the paint department. Uh, If you're going into Sherwin-Williams, the whole thing's a paint department. But talk to them and tell them what you're doing. If you're painting a bathroom, you're going to want semi-gloss because it's easier to clean. And, you know, if there's... 
I should say a hairspray user. I was going to say woman, but I'll go with a hairspray user. They're spraying it, sprays all over the wall. It's real easy to wipe down off of semi-gloss as opposed to flat or even an eggshell. In the house, you don't want shiny walls all over the place. Or maybe you do. That's your thing. You would probably know that already. Eggshell is my favorite. I put that on everything. It's easier to clean than flat, but it's not super shiny, which is weird. Are there ever times, Alan, where you put maybe an accent color up, though, to maybe give the room just a little bit of pizzazz? Well, if my interior designer tells me to, yes. Uh, This is not my uh, expertise is the picking what looks good. I I just know it needs to be done, but um, I've seen it happen, but it's usually a, a, a neutral accent wall, like Mindy said. Yeah, I have a dark gray accent wall. It's still gray. Paulette, they also talk about outside of the house like shrubbery, landscaping. When you were going house shopping, how big did that affect your decision? I didn't want to have to do it. So I knew that it was, however it looked, it was going to keep looking. So I think just to have enough was really important to me. And I like when it looks mature. But then I also have fantasies of doing like the edible yard that my friend makes (laughs) in St. Louis. So part of me, the next place I want to buy, I just want to rip it out and then have a... (laughs) grove of orange trees and mommy call the police there's a woman face down in her front yard (laughs) (laughs) sorry she's just snacking (laughs) paulette's afternoon snack in the front yard seriously what's an edible yard made of oh my god so my friend mateo has this business in st louis where he his yard is incredible and it's crazy it's like sorry we're going off topic a little bit but like we were together in peace corps when we went to this like urban farm together and that was the day he liked he's like this is what i want to do with my life it's basically just like instead of grass which is useless you have plants that have berries on them and you have trees that have fruit come off them and uh, and you know things that you can eat like food it's you could also hunt the animals that come eat all that stuff yeah, your lawn. definitely. <laughs> if anybody's done. looking for rabbit, I got about a billion in my yard. Come hunt. Come. Mindy's handing out permits yes. in the backyard to go get the rabbits. Mindy, sticking with you for a second, there was one house in our old neighborhood that had this really elaborate landscaping scheme. And Cheryl and I were always thinking, and tell me if this is truly the case, like if they want to sell that house, they seriously need to scale it back. Because it will be, even though it was gorgeous, it would be the kind of thing, Paulette, like you're talking about. Like I go, I I can't take care of that. Like I can't do it. There are definitely people who want to take care of a yard like that. It's probably going to limit the amount of people who want to see it. But I mean, I would say picture that. You know, take pictures and highlight that in the MLS listing. Uh, Back when Alan said he he only likes to have twelve or sixteen pictures. I'm actually the opposite. I want you to be able to cross my house off your list by looking at the pictures on the MLS. I don't want you to come into my house and say, oh, I don't like it. I want you to not like it from the MLS so you don't even bother because it's a hassle to get out of the house to show the house to somebody. If it's vacant, that's different. But if you don't want to take care of a big yard, I want you to know that before you drive over to my house and see my beautiful vegetable garden that is clearly going to take a lot of work on your part, or you could let it go. And then it's just, you know, you need to rototiller it away the next year. But I think you should highlight that so that people know what they're getting into. Ellen, if bathrooms and kitchens are the magic that they always talk about, and we're just trying to do the minimum, 
besides painting, what else do we do in those two key rooms? Bathrooms and kitchens besides painting, I would say countertops. That, that seems easy. The only thing is, yeah, if you have a kitchen where you're going to have to move pipes or you think the next buyer is going to have to move pipes, save your money. But if you think that the kitchen counters are in the perfect location and they'll always be there, sure, splurge on the countertop. Outside of that, I think Paulette was mentioning the mirrors and the vanity lights. That always goes a long way. Don't get any cutesy toilet lid. <laughs> any any design on a toilet lid is a no-no forever and ever. So uh, if you do have one, replace it with just a plain white toilet lid and uh, make sure it's clean. All the rust stains are clean. It's not running. I think it's more of the sounds would probably be uh, where I'm leaning. Is just the sounds you know, from tr- your toilet? To, yeah, you know, <laughs> toilets are old. Toilets are running. Kitchen, you know, hums and buzzes. I think those sort of things just make everything as quiet as possible wherever you can. What do you guys think about the whole freshly baked cookies thing? You know, while you're selling your house. I yeah. mean, whenever I run the open house, I end up eating them all before anyone shows up. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Joe, I had a really good friend of mine ask me to go look at houses for him once, and went into a house. <laughs> went into. A- why are you laughing? Because I, I, I feel like this might have been me. I know, this this was be absolutely funny. you. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, you went to look through a bunch of houses for me. Yeah. The people selling this house, which was incredibly quirky and weird, but we got back to the kitchen. Kitchen was gorgeous, but we couldn't figure out why the whole house smelled really weird. Instead of baking bread or cookies, they had some really super herbed spiced roast in the oven that just made the whole house smell really strong. And like, like when you go into somebody's grandma's house and you're like, God, what have you been cooking for the last 40 years? (laughs) Sour Yeah. But they, you could, this court, the kitchen was amazing and you could tell they thought, Oh, we're going to make the house, you know, smell so welcoming. So I do, you got to be careful about what you cook because what you think is, what smells great. We're talking about kitchens now, right? Not bathrooms. What you yeah. think smells great is <laughs> not what other people always think smells great. I want to tag off of that. I showed a house once where you walk in and you're like, oh, why is it so uh, air freshenery? It's like I can mm. taste it. It's so sticky sweet. Uh. And oh, it smells like a wet dog in here. Oh. So they're using this smell to hide something else. And in their case, I don't know if they had like a hundred wet dogs in this house, but it smelled so bad underneath the overpowering air freshener. So I would say, be careful with the smells that you're putting out there because not everybody likes them. Some people could be allergic to them yeah. and sometimes you're not covering up anything. What, what would you do with that case though, Mindy? Because that, that is a challenge. Uh, if, if there is a smell you can't get rid of, like you have to mask it or if you can't identify it. I mean, I don't know Ozone what else. machine. Wash your dogs outside. Like it was, this was like, have you ever walked in and you're like, oh, you have seven cats. I totally know this as I walk in your door. Like you need to be a cleaner person. You need to have cleaner animals. And if you don't, then your house is going to be gross and people aren't going to pay for it. They're not going to pay full price for it. And I'm sorry. I don't say that to my clients when I walk into their house. I'm like, ah, seven cats. Like you can't (laughs) be that rude, but I can be that frank on this show. I, I reframe it and I tell my buyers, you smell that? That's the smell of money, how much we're going to save on the offer that we make on this house. <laughs> and an ozone machine is $80 on Amazon. I bought a house where this, the people who lived in it for 40 years smoked, I don't know, 80 packs of cigarettes a day with all the windows closed. 
I got rid of 90% of the smell just by having the carpets professionally cleaned. The other 10% went away by moving the ozone machine around the house for a whole weekend. Uh, It's a wonder machine for 80 bucks. Love it. And Kills, K-I-L-L-Z, put that on the Mm -hmm. paint as a primer. That traps all the smells in as well. But I've never used the ozone machine, but uh, that's, that's a good tip. Best 80 bucks I've ever spent on rehabbing houses. Are there some tricks I want to ask from the other side of this? You know, they end this piece by talking about inspections and about a couple that uh, didn't realize until after they bought the house and it was missed in the inspection that the water line wasn't even hooked up to the refrigerator. And so they had to figure that out. They had to figure out a bunch of stuff that was shoddily done. Some of it they caught, some of it they hadn't. Are there any sticking points, guys, when you go through an inspection that you really want to make sure the inspector looks at that the inspector usually doesn't look at? Setting up the, like connecting the water line is an easy fix. That's if you can't figure it out yourself, you can get a plumber out there to do it. It's let's call it sub $500. Fixing your foundation can be 30, that can start at $30,000. Have you had an inspector miss the foundation problem? No, I haven't, but you can, I would never, But there are sellers who try to hide things by stacking up boxes. Your inspector is not allowed to move anything. So if there's a bunch of boxes stacked up in front of that one wall that's bowing out six feet and your inspector can't see it, they're going to miss it. And hopefully you're in there looking at it like, why is this wall all weird? And you call up the seller's agent and say, can you have them come home and move these boxes? Because I want to see this. There are people who are less than honest. And that is unfortunate. Of course, that's not going to happen in a a vacant home. And I hope that you're able to see all of the things. But you aren't allowed to move things with – your home inspector isn't allowed to move things. Alan? I like to bring a contractor along and not come with preconceived ideas of what I want them to do and say, what would you do? And then the contractor will come and say – wow, this was done poorly, or I would not have done it this way. I would do X, Y, Z. Or if I only had $5,000, this is where I'd put my money. And I've learned so much from contractors based on how they would run it if it was their home and their ideas and sharing that with uh, my client or if I'm buying the property myself and making a decision together combined with what the inspector said really helps also create a vision for the home, but also know what really needs to be fixed right away. Paulette, just listening to Mindy and Alan, this just leads me to believe, you know, all these people have an inspector go through and they don't go through it with them. I mean, that makes me think right away, man, you got to go through the house with your inspector. Like you totally got to go. Yeah. I had to do that when I almost bought a house last January because I wasn't on site. And so if you're not on site, that can be a challenge, but I think it is really important. Like it's so important to remember no one will ever care as much as you care. I'll, I'll say this. If you've got a savvy realtor like Mindy or, you know, someone who, who knows what they're doing, Whatever the cost of the inspection is in your town, 500 bucks here in Atlanta, you, I promise you that realtor should be able to get $500 back uh, in whatever they found. Like, like, you know, Mindy, correct me if I'm wrong. Like if there's $500 worth of like loose plumbing, you could probably negotiate the seller to fix those $500 of items. And, and so the cost of the inspection report, you should be able to negotiate some sort of repairs or fixes or credits. Um, so it's really no money lost. The only time is maybe you're in a bidding war and you kind of really just got to bow down to the seller and give them whatever they want. But you sh- doesn't mean you don't get inspection, but at least you know what you're going in and, and need to replace. 
or fix after the purchase. Yeah, my mantra is if you are buying a house, unless you are leveling it to the ground and rebuilding and just buying it for the land, you should be getting a home inspection because you don't know what's there unless you are a home inspector and then you can ignore me. But um, yeah, absolutely. And Then do it later. uh, Yeah. (laughs) With the caveat from last spring when there were so many bidding wars and you were one of 38 offers or one of 52 offers on one house, you were not able to really negotiate anything after the home inspection. It was more of just you should walk away or you should take it as is. Just know this is what you're getting into. But yes, absolutely. You should be able to, if there's something wrong, negotiate with the seller after the after you're under contract and you have the inspection. Now, I will say, I think you should only negotiate things that you can't see during the inspection. My inspection on this house showed that there was a broken window. So did my eyeballs when I walked through the house. I didn't negotiate that when I was buying the house, even though it came up on the home inspection report. I think that's a skeezy way of operating. Negotiate that initially. Exactly. Thank you, yeah. John. Yeah, that should come with your offer. You already knew that going yep. in. It wasn't a surprise. I guess a fabulous place to leave this, guys. We will uh, link to this piece in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Let's find out what all of you guys are doing. Paulette, let's start with you and have our guests go uh, last. But what's going on? I'm launching my software for writers called the Writer's Mission Control Center to beta users, to my first 100 beta users. So that's been really, really exciting and fun. And I'm um, working on lots of stories. I've got to publish one of my favorite stories I've worked on in a few years that highlights the alternative limb project, this amazing artist who does these incredible artistic bespoke prosthetic limbs. And that's just like when I get to talk about people with that kind of mission, doing that creative of work, I am in my happy place. So that was a dream, dream assignment. That's fabulous. Mindy? Thanks for joining us at the last minute here. (laughs) Joe, I always love when I can fill in for you at the very last minute after everybody else that you have called has said no. (laughs) (laughs) That was going so well until halfway through the sentence. (laughs) Like, oh no. What's going on at Bigger Pockets Money? We just finished wrapping up a deep dive series where we release an extra episode every week in January where uh, and we deep dived dived deep Doved? into dove deep dove Dovid, into dovid <laughs> be doved into different uh different topics like the lottery and cryptocurrency as a concept not a specific cryptocurrency MLMs we talked about MLMs and we talked to the producer of the uh Lula Roe MLM uh documentary Ooh, it was cool. just a really fascinating look at these different topics and we're going to consider doing those in the future because we had a really good response to that. But in general, we're just talking about money and or real estate or both on the show every Monday and Friday. Come join us. It's funny you mentioned crypto and then lottery. A lot of people in the last uh, 18 months have figured out those aren't the same thing, that those are <laughs> those are actually two different things. Yeah. Two different things. Who knew? Yeah. Everybody <laughs> thought, hey, lottery I can't lose with crypto. Maybe. Mr. Corey. Man, we got a big launch coming in about a month. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have Stacking Deeds replace Stacking Benjamins as the number one show on, on the radio. <laughs> but I, 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 it will take your help getting there. Uh, so I apologize to your audience right now that, uh, you know, good things are going to come. Real good things are going to come. Yeah. But you have another show where people can preview, Mr. Corey. Tell us about your show now. Real Estate Maximalists. It's a podcast where I'm all in. I'm a maximalist on real estate. I don't shut up about it, but I interview people, talk about you know how to get into real estate. I give a strategy every single week that's different and unique. I always say there's a million ways to make a million dollars in real estate. There's no one strategy that you have to do. It's whatever opportunity presents itself in front of you, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you get excited about, whatever your skill set works for. So I introduce each week a new strategy to my audience. Real Estate Maximalists. Check it out. I, I just wish you got excited, Alan. I feel bad. <laughs> yes, she just yes. never, never seemed to get excited. We're going to link to all things Paulette, Mindy, and Alan on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Uh, Doug, got a big question for you, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from our contributors. Focus on the areas with the largest gain, smallest price gap, and you're on your way to making good financial decisions to sell your home. Second, take it from Mindy. Never ask a realtor a question you need a specific answer to. They're always going to say, it depends. But the big lesson? Sure, today was the first day paper money was handed out, but I think what we truly need to celebrate aren't leather bucks, but Joe Bucks. I'm only three away from a trip to the company store up in the garage. Just had to remember to keep my hands to myself until Tuesday. Thanks to Alan Corey for joining us today. You can find him on our new sister show, Stacking Deeds. You'll also find yours truly there, which most people think is the real reason to go listen to that podcast. Know what? I'll have my people include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks to Mindy Jensen for joining us today. You can find Mindy's show, Bigger Pockets Money, wherever you're listening to us now, or say hello to her, Mrs. 1500 on Twitter. We'll also have links on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. You can hire Paulette as your very own writing coach. With her program, Your Personal Editor, you get 10 sessions one-on-one with Paulette to add power to your words. More information at yourpersonaleditor.com. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. 
not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens in the after show stays in the after show. Mindy Jensen's been here for some epic after shows. The <laughs> after show that keeps giving, by the way, is the time when uh, Mindy explained to me that she was at uh, Bigger Pockets corporate uh, Slack account and noticed that there were these random vegetables on Slack. So Mindy started ending all of her uh, Slack messages with an eggplant because it just looked funny. And how long, how long was it, Mindy, till somebody told you what the eggplant meant? Two years. <laughs> <laughs> Two years. And Lauren sends me a private message. She's like, you do know what the eggplant emoji means, right? I'm like, no, it's just some random ironic vegetable, right? She's like, no, this nope. is what it means. And I was like, Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oops. So I had that prompted oh a, an apology God. to everyone. And one guy <laughs> sent a note. He's like, I just thought you were really bold. <laughs> <laughs> Things are looking up at bigger pockets. Eggplant. Yeah. Uh, I've got I, a different topic though. Alan. Oh, I was going to say, I got an email from my uh, kid's teacher once that said uh, there was going to be a movie day coming up. So send your kid in to be prepared to Netflix and chill. <laughs> well, that's another Mindy story we'll save for another time. <laughs> yeah. Because Mindy Jensen had that one too, but we will oh, let okay. that. All right. So we're entering that age. I just had a birthday. So uh, like I, I was sitting in the champagne like exploding, which I think is like the next step of the eggplant. I used to send that to, to, to every every client that we got under contract. I'd be like, yay, we got under contract, champagne. And then I'm like, uh, I, you know, I learned later that, that that also had a double meaning. Yeah. Well, it still meant you were very happy. And we're in a peach state. So, so I, I, we're in Georgia, so I would put it next to a bunch of peaches. And oh, uh, it, was, it was a whole thing. Oh, God. Oh, God. Peach champagne, peach champagne, peach <laughs> yeah. champagne. All right. I was going to talk about something different, but I don't know how we follow that. Um, I was going to ask, because we're talking about fixing up your house, either for a story about something you thought was easy when you started. I'm thinking, Mindy, about all that Ikea stuff. And it turned out to be a little less easy than you thought it oh, was. And maybe, maybe you had maybe you had to bring in the cavalry. Or on the other side, you thought it was going to be really difficult and it ended up being super easy. My dad is an example. I'll, I'll just give you one quick one. My dad uh, told me, because I've been having problems with my chimney, and my dad said, because I told him I was going to hire somebody to go clean out my chimney. And he's like, you've got a very flat roof. You can easily do that yourself. 
like seriously can do it yourself. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. My dad's like, no, go do it. So it's an $18 chimney brush that I get at Lowe's, like four extension poles that go on the end of it. I go up on my roof, which is fairly flat. And so far I'm like, this is the easiest thing ever, but there's a grate on my chimney and I figure out very quickly that that just, I can literally pick it up and take it off. But I saw the grade at first. I'm like, this is going to be a problem. Wasn't a problem at all. Just sitting there. So squirrels can't get in. But then there's a cap on my chimney. There's like this whole cap thing and all the, all the screws are rusted. So I asked Cheryl to send me up my favorite uh, screwdriver. And so I take the screwdriver and I'm, I'm screwing it. And then I realize the nut on the other side is screwing at the same time as well. So it's not moving at all. So then she brings me a, she throws a wrench up on the roof. So I don't have to go back up and down as an old guy. So I take the wrench and now I'm, I'm totally, totally still not able to get this stuff because it's so rusted. After about 35 minutes of screwing around going from all four corners, I realize the whole effing thing literally just picks up off my chimney (laughs) and you set it and you set it down. You don't have to take it apart at all. Like I made it so much harder than it was. Yeah. Paulette, you've got one. Oh my God. When I got my house when I was 23, I thought that I would put up my own fence and I bought the like sections like slats, but I just remember the moment that like Home Depot dropped it off and I had this just huge pile of fence pieces in my driveway. And I was like, I'm in too deep. Like I just knew. And oh my God, it was so bad. It was so bad. I got it up, but just, don't look at it straight on. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> we did a reroute of some piping in the basement, and Carl turned off the water and then started cutting through the pipe, and water just starts spraying everywhere. And he's like, oh, okay, oh. that's just – that's the residual water that's in the pipe. Why isn't it slowing down? Why isn't this? What is going on? Mindy, come down here. There's water coming everywhere. (laughs) So it turns out that he turned off the wrong thing and had to go turn off a different thing. That's the worst. And it wasn't finished. It was just a bare basement. So we didn't damage anything except there was a lot of water. A lot Mm. of water. I just didn't want Mm. that story to end with, turns out it was the main. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was expecting to hear. And the fire department came out. Yeah, that's not good. Yes, and the whole thing was flooded. Well, luckily it was early, so there was no big water damage then, I would imagine, luckily. Yeah, no water damage. It was just like everything in the basement was soaked. Like you move stuff away, but you don't move it that far because you're just working right (laughs) here. And it was like up in the ceiling. So you had like you're working a- up here and your hands are all the blood is running out of your hands. So you're oh. like, oh, got to put them down and get it going again. It's just still a nightmare. I hate plumbing. I mean, I love it, but I I'm, I'm very thankful for it. I just hate doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Alan. Yeah, I, I spun my wheels on my first primary that I bought for myself. I was house hacking a du- duplex in Brooklyn and it was abandoned in many ways uh, before I bought it. And it was just full of what I thought was bamboo in the backyard that was beautiful and pretty. Um, I found out later it was Japanese knotwood, which is the most invasive you know, species of plant that you can actually have. Mm. And 
you know, you you would get rid of it and it would just grow back overnight, like three feet, come back. And it ended up coming in like in my basement, like probably, you know, a floor below from the backyard up and it was completely white because it had no chlorophyll or whatever. It couldn't get any sunlight, but it was breaking through my foundation. It was coming out like the, the radiators, uh, like it was just impossible to get rid of. It's like you get rid of it once, but if my neighbor, my neighbors also had it in their yard and they weren't interested in cleaning it up. So it was just one of those things that I had to do once a week. It was just, it, it, oh. to, and what happens if like, if you pull it up and like a leaf fell, then that leaf would grow into its its own new root. Like you, you couldn't just, yeah, you had to get, go deep as much as you can, get as much root as you can and not have any leaves or stems break off or anything like that because it would just keep coming back. Joe, that, and, that sounds yeah. like the botanical equivalent of me. once it's in your yard you are not getting rid of it that's right i'm like we tried to get doug off this project like 18 times and every week he just shows up for more no you know what i was thinking about doug was when we got that house when you were helping us look for houses of course we settled on that uh beautiful house in in michigan and uh our backyard was a really nice garden and cheryl went out back and was weeding the garden and she's knee deep in the weeds when she's like, this plant looks very familiar. These vines Uh-oh. I keep pulling out, mm. all poison ivy, mm. all poison ivy. Ooh. And she had poison ivy all over herself. Just, oh. oh, yeah. Oh. It was not good. I was yeah. going to tell Alan gasoline on that stuff. I had oh, a neighbor yeah. who had bamboo and she would go out. You know, and environmentally would, friendly stuff yes, like that. Invi- hey, it, it, you got to fight fire with fire. She would go out and cut the bamboo, and after 15 seconds, it would, like, cover the top over with, like, a plastic – not plastic, but, like, some sort of yeah. wax or something. So she she had a little dish of gasoline, and she'd cut it and paint the top of it so the gasoline could get in there, and it wouldn't cover with this wax when she did this. She was a pediatric oncologist, and she would do this when she was working off a tough case. So she oh. would systematically yeah. rid her whole yard of this, but it was – it was a nightmare to get rid of. Yeah. I, I think I did pour down bleach at one point. Uh, I, was, I was trying everything. Great. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Good deal. I'm just thinking, what's the vegetation equivalent of PETA? Who's going to give us one star <laughs> EPA. now? EPA. EPA, yeah. <laughs> so you can reach yeah. out to Joe at joe <laughs> at com. Thanks for all the help, guys. Yeah. Uh, Doug, you got one to finish this off? No, no, I'm good. There we go. I've never done anything wrong in my house. I'll, I'll say this on building projects. This happened a lot when I was in New York. Like you start digging and you'll find like an old railroad or something like historic facts, right? Sometimes uh, depending where you are, it's like dinosaur bones or some pottery that's from hundreds of years ago. And you legally have to stop the project and get archaeologists in and they're going to find comb tooth, find what is the fine tooth comb it. Developers hate this. Like that, that happens and it just stalls your project and you can't do anything for two, three, four years because now it's a historic site. That happened in like Montana. They were, I think it was Montana. They were taken off the top layer of dirt and there's a mammoth. And they're like, Ooh. what? So now it's like a mammoth preserve. They had to stop completely. They found 25 or 50 mammoth bodies and wow. like teeth and. It was just a nightmare for the developers, but now they've turned it into. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's like you found a treasure, but you don't want to tell anyone because it might slow yeah. things down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's there's no more housing development there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 
I remember on our trip to Rome, uh, there was a big hole in the middle of the city. And But just imagine trying to do any development in Rome. And they're like, yep, they started digging to, mm. to put up this new skyscraper and cut. Cause there's oh, some... and they found something shocking. In Rome. <laughs> imagine that of all places. Yeah. Mindy OG is, we, we had to had to step out at the last minute. Mindy was nice enough to join us. So thank you very much, but you're going to be OG. And what that means is that Alan playing is OG. You're going to guess first, Mindy, you're going to guess second and Paulette you're in the catbird seat guessing third, right? Doug's, uh, Doug's. You just got done saying Mindy was OG. I'm OG. And, that, and then just now you switched. Oh, I did. All right. Yeah. Let's do that again. All right. Three, two, one. So what that means is, uh, Alan, because you're playing as OG, you will guess first. No, no I'm Lynn. still wrong. I'm Lynn Penzo. He's led. Oh, <laughs> three, two, one. Mindy, because you're playing as OG. Yay! Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military and of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.